0: Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. Today we are going to do our study, good study, This is a good study, forgiveness. Who knew forgiveness could be such a good study? I'm not gonna start just yet because my shoe is stuck to my other shoe. Remember? (laughs) Remember that one time I said, just say she's professional? Okay, pardon me a minute. Oh, there it goes, okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Do we just like go home? (laughs) This is hysterical. All right. We are going to get professional. We're going to get into scripture. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. This is fun. Um, how about we do this? How about I say these words? Welcome to Women Inseparable. We are going to continue our study on. I, I've got no words. I'm going to say this. Let's pray. How's, how's that? We're going to begin today's Women Inseparable study on who holds forgiveness by opening in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, the joy of the Lord is just so abundant. It's so good. It's so rich. Despite sorrows, despite hardships, you give us joy. I thank you so much. I thank you so much fulfilling us with the fullness of your joy. I thank you, Father God, for your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for his love for us. I thank you for his presence. I thank you for how real, how real Jesus Christ is. I thank you that we know him and that he knows us. Oh, how abundant we have, such abundant life that we have through him. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being with us. I thank you for being alive. I thank you for being fire within our souls. I thank you for bringing the word of God alive. I thank you that when we look at scripture, when we hold scripture, when we breathe in scripture, we're not just looking at a word that's written on page, but that we're feeling the very heart of God. Holy Spirit, this is what you do. And I thank you so much for what you do. I pray that you will do what you do and light our hearts on fire today. I pray that we look at old scripture and we look at new scripture. I pray that you will tie them both so fervently within our soul that all we can do is stand there and say, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Oh, that it'll drip, drip from our words. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we say, no matter what life brings at us, the truth of the matter is Jesus is Lord. And this is our proclamation. This is what we stand on. Oh, Father God, we pray these words in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isaiah. Isaiah. Yes, we will be in Mark, but we're going to start in Isaiah. Does that sound good? Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65. My prayer this morning on my way here is that the Lord would help my voice be loud today because I know sometimes my voice is not loud. And for those of you that have felt the pains of my soft voice, I do apologize, and I am praying today that my voice will be loud and will carry. If it's not loud enough for you, come, come forward, come sit in the front, come kneel before the throne, and I'll kneel with you, and we'll have a grand time in prayer with our Father, Um, but do feel free to move around at any point if you need to get closer, or if you need to get further, or if you just need to run, do that. (laughs) Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65, I want to read a small portion of Isaiah 65, then we're going to go to Mark. Isaiah 65 verse one, it says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. Always when you look at scripture, whether it's your first time or your Daily time in scripture, always ask your question, who's speaking and who is the speaking to? This is our God, God Almighty speaking. And this is speaking to those uh, Jews called by his name. These are the Israelite nation that he's speaking to. So God is saying, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to rebellious people who walks in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. I spread out my hands all the day to those who sit in tombs, and spend the night in secret places who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels. I spread out my hands all the day, God says, to those who say, Keep to yourself. Do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke and my nostrils, the fire that burns all the day. Behold, pay attention every time you hear the word behold. He says, behold, it is written before me. I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap. Both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. So harsh words. are harsh words. Those are harsh words. God says to the Israelite people, there are people out there that are hungry for my name, that have no idea who I am. Those people I'm going to call to, and those people I've got something for. You, you who say to yourself, I am too holy for others. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Do you see the contrast of his audience here. There are those that are going to hear the name of God one day and are going to come running note to self. That's us. And there are those who are called and chosen to be the people of God who turn their nose to God because of their behaviors t- about God. Fascinating. I'm too good for you because I'm good in the eyes of God. shameful, shameful. In our study of Who Holds Forgiveness, we see an amazing dialogue go on in Mark chapter 11. The word forgive comes up in this this chapter in a very strange place and in a very strange way. This passage um, has been a confusion for a lot of people. In fact, some of your translations are going to include a verse that some translations take out. It's fascinating. So what are we going to do today? We're going to read it. Because that's always fun to handle a challenge out loud, right? So I do pray that the Holy Spirit's words, that his truth is spoken. Today, as we read scripture, do not forget that contrast of Isaiah 65. Because this is what we're seeing in Mark chapter 11. To get the whole scene, Mark 11 chapter 1, it starts by... Saying these words, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus, who we know who's in the story, we know where he is, we know the scene, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. I want you to untie it and I want you to bring it. Direct commands by Jesus to these two disciples. And then he sets up the whole conversation that's going to sit before them. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say to those people, the Lord has need of it and we'll send it back here immediately. Note to self, remember what the Lord tells you to say and say it. Verse 4, it says, And they went away and they found a colt, just as Jesus said, tied at a door, just as Jesus said, outside in the street, and they untied it, doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And some of those who were standing there said to them exactly what Jesus said they were going to say to these men. Isn't it fascinating how Jesus is like, Here's exactly what is going to happen to you. Here's where you're going to go. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to say. Who's going to be there? What they're going to say and how you're going to respond. Don't you wish you could wake up to that every morning? Good morning, Lord. I'm good. How are you? What's the agenda? Go. But where's faith? Where's faith? This is what we're talking about today. Verse six says, and they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And Jesus sat on that colt and many people gathered around and they spread their cloaks on the road and many others spread leafy branches that they had cut from their fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting these words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest. There were people all around Jerusalem, all around Jesus, a side personal challenge. We've talked a lot about Mark 4, about the four different seeds in the the four different soils. Match Mark 4 with this chapter. This is just a bonus fun personal challenge for you. We see the effects of the four seeds throughout the book of Mark. It's fascinating when you look at that one seed that fell on the, the cement, the one seed that fell in the ground that got choked by the cares of this world with the seed that fell on the soil and produced 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundredfold, We see the effects and the story throughout Mark and Matthew and Luke and John and in your chair today, we see the effects of the seed of God. And what happens inside each and every person. Look at that. Consider those people. Those many people that were laying down. In joy over their Jesus. Coming into Jerusalem. What happened to their seed. A couple days later. Consider the seed. Verse 11. It says. And he our Jesus entered Jerusalem. And went into the temple. And when Jesus had looked around at everything. Everything. As it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. We talked a lot about emotions last week. I could only imagine the emotions going through our Savior's mind, his heart as he was looking around it at everything. Verse 12 it says, On the following day, this is when it gets fascinating, not as if that wasn't fascinating enough. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything, to find if there was anything on this fig tree. When he came to it, he found nothing. He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He just saw a tree on display, out of season, out of fruit. And he said to this fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Fascinating. Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 is a powerful chapter for you to read as you read Mark 11 in your personal challenge this week. Read them side by side. Read Isaiah 56 and then read Mark 11 and then read Isaiah 56 again and then read Mark 11 again. And you may find yourself going back and forth and back and forth and you'll see the beauty of the connection. And if you struggle with seeing the beauty of the connection between Isaiah 56 and Mark 11, here's what you do. I'm child of God. You open up Isaiah 56 and you lay it there and you get on your knees. And those of us that can't get on our knees, you put it on your lap and your heart is on your knees before the Lord and say, God, open my eyes. May I taste and see what your word is saying to me. Pray over scripture. Seek the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll show up. He'll show up. You say, well, I tried that. I prayed for a couple of minutes over a passage. I'm still stuck on it. This fig tree is one of my personal goals. By the time I get to heaven, I want to know the whole beauty of what God was intended in this fig tree. The fig tree is mentioned throughout entire scripture. The fig tree is a representation in the entire scripture. Oh, I have questions and I have prayed over the fig tree and I'm not done praying over that fig tree. I will be praying over this fig tree until God's like, ta-da, and then I'll see him face to face. Jesus sees this fig tree and he says, never, never again will people eat fruit from you. We continue on in verse 15. It says, and they, Jesus and his disciples came to Jerusalem. Powerful sentence. Much, much could be asked and thought about in that one little sentence, but it continues. It says, and he entered the temple. This is Jesus. He entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. Can you visualize this? There's some physical responses happening. He overturned the tables. There's an emotion being displayed. He overturned the seats of those who are selling pigeons. There's an emotion on display. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Can you see Jesus's body, entire body being on display in the middle of this temple? Not standing there. Oh, holy am I turn your tables over. He is literally causing the scene, not letting anybody in, anybody out. His whole body is being used for the protection of this temple. Verse 17, it says, and he was teaching them and saying to them, and I love the tone that I hear in my voice. Have you ever, mom, Used your whole emotion, your whole body to get your child to do something. And then you taught them a lesson. What tone are you using? Did you instantly go back to, well, let me tell you something. I would really like you to take out the garbage without being asked. Thank you and have a good day. There's a little bit of a mom tone that comes out after a little bit of mom expression. And it's the the whole, that's why we're moms, isn't it? Jesus came to present the the fatherly love of God and he's cleaning out his temple and his whole body is being used to clean up his house. And he teaches a lesson. There's a tone there that is not soft. There's heart and emotion in what Jesus is saying. And he's speaking to the chosen Israelite nation. That adds even more emotion. And he's quoting specifically Isaiah 56. He's quoting a very familiar passage to people that preach this passage but refuse to see it. There's passion and emotion in the way our Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching them and he's saying to them, These words, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you, he says to the chosen Israelite nation, you have made it a den of robbers. The response, the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. That's quite the response. They refused to see who they were. It's almost as if they were standing and they're saying, don't come near me, Jesus. I am too holy for you. Do you see Isaiah's passage coming to life in the middle of this temple? The contrast of the response that happens inside of hearts. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And we go back to that crowd that was crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hmm. Verse 19. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Here we see the contrast. We've got one group of people. We're going to see the other group of people. I pray you see where you are. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away, withered away to its, its roots, the depth of the power of the voice of Jesus Christ. And Peter remembered, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, look. The fig tree that you cursed has withered and Jesus answered them. So Peter says the words, Jesus hears the words and Jesus speaks to all of his disciples. And he says these four words, have faith in God, have faith in God. This right here is what cuts the difference between the two societies that are seen in this passage. You've got those that are so holy that they can't even, deal with Jesus. They're so holy. And then you've got those that are just in awe. Jesus, you said this was going to happen and it happened. Do you see the contrast? The stay away. Your sin might taint me. And those that are just sitting in awe. And he says, have faith in God, have faith in God. And then he says these words, And I'm going to read the next few verses just in one chunk. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses, some of our versions say that if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Some versions include that hard statement. Some versions take it out. What is Jesus saying about forgiveness? What is he saying? Have you ever read that passage and had a huge question mark next to it? Had a dialogue with a teacher, a pastor, your own soul about what does this mean? Whenever you stand praying, forgive as if forgiveness is now in my hands. There's that question. We just saw throughout scripture that the forgiveness is only and always in the hands of God. And now Jesus is telling me when I stand praying, forgive, forgive. If I have anything about anything, anything, anyone, anyone about anything, always anything. You're like, oh, I'm going to be forgiven all the time. I'm going to get nothing done because I'm going to be so busy being like, oh, okay, I forgive you. Oh, okay, I forgive you. That's exhausting. This is not Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So he's certainly not saying here, I'm going to put, I'm going to put forgiveness in your hands now. Go. Jesus isn't saying that. Forgiveness is still in the hand of God. So what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying when he says, when you stand praying, forgive so that the father forgives you. And if you don't forgive, the father will not forgive you. It's huge. This is why we go to Isaiah. This is why Jesus quotes Isaiah so often, so often through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see Jesus quoting Isaiah often. And Isaiah is a tough book. I don't know if you've read Isaiah lately. It's a tough book. There are some chapters in that that will bring you to your knees and tears and awe of who God is when he declares over and over, I am, I am, I am. And you're like, yes, yes, you are. And I know you and you know me and you get overwhelmed. And then there's other passages that you're like, I don't know what you're trying to say about Babylon. I'm a little confused. Isaiah is a tough read, but read it. You will be blessed. And as you read it and read it and read it and read the words of Jesus and see the connection of when Jesus quotes it and to whom he's quoting it to, oh, Isaiah comes to life. And the words of Isaiah are not done coming to life, by the way. There's, there's, there's good stuff in that book of Isaiah. That's a good one to take to your knees in prayer. That I can testify. Jesus says, whenever you stand whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. We have been talking much about the seed of evil and we've been talking much about the seed of God. And when we receive that seed of God, When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we are now therefore born again, we have fruit that comes from us. And that seed comes into us, that moment we realize, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. And the only way to not be identified as a sinner any longer is by putting my faith completely in the death, burial, and resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And that's where your faith in God comes from. That's where the seed of God comes from. And when your eyes are constantly on the fact that you are forgiven of your sins and your faith is in that and that alone, oh, fruit starts to come. And the very first fruit that comes when you're so focused on the fact that your God has forgiven your sins is the fact that your God has forgiven your sins. That's the fruit that comes from it. So, when you stand praying, you're so focused on the fact that you have faith in God that nothing else matters. And you're standing there saying, I have faith in God, I have faith in God, I have faith in God. There's no room in your brain at that time to be like, but so and so really hurt me. Or if I may say, that person broke me. Instead, you're saying, I have faith in God, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. And as you say over and over, I have faith in God because I've believed in Jesus Christ, because he is the one who's forgiven me of my sins. There is now fruit from that forgiveness. And that fruit from that forgiveness is the very heart of forgiveness, because you know, if God can forgive you of your sins, God can forgive that person of their sins. And you're not the one going up and saying, I declare you are forgiven. Instead, you're saying, I have faith in God. Hi, hi. How are you? Even to somebody that has hurt you so desperately. Because that fruit from the fact that God has forgiven you of your sins spills from you, from your eyes, from your expression, from your very countenance, from the way you serve with the hands, the way you stand in prayer, the fruit comes. And it's not because you try so hard. I don't know about you and I don't know much about So if you do know, you can tell me later. But in my little cartoon version of how a tree works in my head, a root gets deep and then the fruit comes. Is that correct? The roots go deep and then the fruit comes. The tree's not sitting there trying to produce an apple. You don't watch a tree produce an apple. Right? You don't watch a tree demonstrate it. You're just like, oh, there's an apple tree. The fruit's just on it because the roots are so healthy, so deep, so strong. The tree isn't out there shaking. I need to produce a fruit. But that's what we try to do with forgiveness, isn't it? We try so hard to produce forgiveness that we forget that all we need to do is root. All we need to do is root. The more you root in your faith in God... That fruit will come and it'll shock you. Hey, the fruit of forgiveness. I just had a heart of forgiveness towards somebody. Let that blow you away. And it's not because you tried so hard or because you demonstrated it. It's because your roots are so deep. Your roots are so deep that that fruit of forgiveness just comes. But when it comes to the, the question, and I'm going to close with this. When it comes to the question of this passage, because there's, there's a big question of this passage. When you stand, forgive. Have that heart of forgiveness. Let the forgiveness of God spill out of you because your roots are so deep. When you stand, pray, forgive. Have that heart. Let the fruit of forgiveness come so that the Father will continue holding your forgiveness. But if you don't, neither will he. Is that a warning to us? I don't know. Look at what scripture says. Will you join me back in Isaiah 65? We started this in Isaiah 65. We read the beginning part and we read about the Israelites and how holy they were, how they were so busy doing all their different sacrifices. They were doing all kinds of sacrifices. They were doing kind of a little bit of a gross sacrificing systems going on and declaring to others, I'm holy. This is why I'm doing this. Stay away from me. So you don't taint my holiness. This is what we're seeing. And Jesus is speaking to his new believers. He's speaking to the new way, the new truth, the new life. And he's explaining the new, the new mindset to his new believers. Do you see the contrast of the old way and the new way? And he's saying to the new, all you need to do is have faith in God. I don't need sacrifices. I don't need behaviors. I don't need rights. I don't need laws. I don't need anything. I need you to have faith in God. That's it. Have faith in God. That's it. That's it. Here's why. Isaiah 65, verse 13. Isaiah 65, 13. Listen to what the Lord God is saying. Verse 13, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, pay attention to these beholds in these two verses. He says, Behold, my servants... Shall eat. Sweet friend, we talked about serving last week. Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a servant? Do you get what is in your hand and pour it out before your God? Are you a servant? If you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the answer is yes, you are a servant of Jesus. Serve Him with what is in your hands to serve. He says, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you you who are so holy that you can't even process my son Jesus, you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink. Oh, thirst after the word of God. Behold, my servant shall drink. But you, you who are so holy that you can't even look at somebody else's sin, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants, my servants shall rejoice with a joy that is unexpressible. Oh, my servants shall rejoice, but you, you who are holy in your own head shall be put to shame. Do you see the contrast of forgive and the father will forgive you? If you do not have that heart of forgiveness, God will not have the heart of forgiveness over you. Do you see the contrast Of the two verse 14, it says, behold, my servants, you sweet friend shall sing for gladness of heart. Can you testify of that verse? Can you today? You hear what's happening in your life. You see what's happening in your day. You feel what's happening in your body, your reality. Could be traded for something better. One day we'll be traded for something better. One day we will see the Lord face to face and we'll have a new body and we'll live in a new society. One day all things will be made new and how we long for that. But until that day, we have the gladness of heart in us. Can you testify of that? You are like I was just in tears yesterday. Oh, but the joy of the Lord. And you can't explain it. But here it is. Here's what's being explained. Our Lord God declares in Isaiah, my servant shall sing for gladness of heart, but you, oh, unholy people, shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. Do you see the contrast of the two? God declares you shall leave your name To my chosen for a curse and the Lord God will put you to death. There's power in God's word. He says the Lord God will put you, you to death, but his servants, he will call by another name so that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth and he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and are hidden from my eyes. God says, I'm sending my son Jesus one day and my servants who believe and follow my son. Oh, they shall eat and drink and be filled with joy and sing with a gladness of heart. Such your truth? Such your truth daughter of the king life is life being a woman is being a woman but we have food to eat do we not this bible fills our soul with food to eat with something to drink with joy and a gladness that fills our heart that can't can't be taken away you forgive have that heart of god's forgiveness Stay close to the Lord. Don't get so holy that when you stand and pray, you forget that you've been forgiven of your sins. It's at that point, Peter declares in 2 Peter 1 that you're now blinded. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 that there are those that have forgotten that they have been forgiven of their sins, yet they're still serving God. Those can't be connected. You cannot do that. You cannot forget that you have been forgiven by God and still serve God. That's when you get holy and become a smoke in the nostrils of God. Did you hear that? Be careful with that. Always remember that you have been forgiven of your sins and that faith will produce fruit. Stand. Forgive. Receive forgiveness and forgive. And it just goes back and forth. That is the goodness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now that our hearts are so soft. Oh, Lord God, soften our hearts. Wherever we are, whatever our life looks like, whatever our past looks like, whatever we feel our future looks like with such uncertainty, I pray right now to those that are hearing this live, to those who are hearing this tomorrow, to those who are hearing this within the days ahead. I pray that you'll soften our hearts right now. Soften our hearts always to the forgiveness of our God. I pray for those that do not know you as their savior, that even today will be their day of salvation, that they will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Father God, I pray that they will be receiving the seed of God today, that fruit... Of the heart of forgiveness can spill out of them beginning today. And I pray that for those of us that have been saved for always, that we will be so focused on our faith and the forgiveness of our God that we will not get too holy for those who are around us. For Lord, in our false holiness, another soul cannot get saved. Instead, it leads people away from God. It causes others to stumble and to curse the name of God when they see us become so holy and so righteous in our own eyes. Oh, what a disdain that is to the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you help us to remain soft, remain soft and fully focused on your forgiveness, knowing that, that it's what we stand on. It's the faith that abounds within us. And I thank you, Father God, for giving us your name. I pray that we'll prove faithful to the name of Jesus Christ in our actions, in our words, and in our faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.